podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. This afternoon I'm joined by Laura Bradburn. We're watching Celtic playing in Dublin today, Laura. We're facing Wolves. It was a game that was meant to be played in South Korea after the first uh, South Korean friendly was cancelled. We then tried to play Wolves over there. We've shifted it to Dublin. Um, Pretty decent first half, I've got to say, from Celtic. Yeah, especially the start of the match. I mean, we kind of looked as though we had their defence on the turn all the time and they've got a couple of big brutal centre-halves who use, let's just call it the dark arts to try and manage us. But we really um, we really did look like we had them had them beat in a lot of ways. They seemed to be trying to play a high line that we were finding it quite easy to beat with Abada and Maida and Kyogo all running off the shoulder and, um, and O'Reilly finding wee pockets of space and passing the way he can pass. I was really, really encouraged by that first 20 minutes. I remember um, a couple of seasons ago, in, in completely different shape, Laura, we faced West Ham. And what you want to do is you want to look at where we are. I know it's just a friendly and there's always talk about how Celtic will do in the English Premiership, etc., etc. All I want to do is play a decent side from England to, to test where we are right now. And I remember the same scenario two seasons ago when Ange had just come into the building and we were nowhere. I mean, you'll remember it for being Lee Griffiths' last game in a Celtic jersey. He was booed, remember, when he came on. Um, and we were showing up for where we were uh, at that time as a team. And I think it's come at a good time now. We've got four preseason games under our belt. You want that kind of level of opposition. And by the way, I, I don't think Wolves are as good as West Ham. That's just my opinion uh, going into next season. But uh, they are playing at a high level. And the good thing is we have not looked as though we're um, off the pace. We've not looked out of touch, Laura. We've controlled um, big sections of that first half and we've created all the best chances as well. Yeah, I mean, I think actually in some occasions the only thing that's let us down is our own finishing um, a couple of times, uh, which could have been a little bit better. I can think of... A couple of instances where it fell to Maida's left foot towards the end of the half where he probably could have done a little bit better with it. Um, but apart from that, you know, Abada's doing exactly what we talked about before the match. He really seems up for it. And um, whether that's the cynical part of me wants to say that's him making an attempt at a, a last-minute bid coming in or something like that, but I certainly hope the attitude that he's shown now remains throughout the rest of the season and I've no reason to suspect that it won't. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I was really encouraged. Wolves did come back into it the middle of the first half, but I think the majority of the half we, we were on top. And uh, not that it should matter to us as Celtic supporters, but I have to say I saw enough of Wolves to suggest if I was a betting person, I might be sticking a few quid on them to go down because I think they're looking a bit shambolic at the back. I think um, when when I watched them coming out the traps, Laura, I thought to myself, wow, they're, they're, they're sharp, uh, they're fast, the, the tempo they were playing at was high. 
but very, very quickly Celtic acclimatised to that. And I thought that, mm. um, you know, like you say, there was small pockets in the first half where Wolves came back into it, created a few chances. I want to talk about each area of the pitch. We'll start off, though, by talking about the goal. Uh, five minutes in, Kyogo scores. The assist by Abada. And it was a sensational finish. But Celtic, you know, they'd already hit the bar. Hatati had broke away, hit mm. the bar uh, in, uh, you know, stylish fashion. L- later on, Kyogo hits the bar. And we've had a few other chances. Like you like you said there, I thought made a kind of... I, th- I thought he kind of almost panicked with the finish. Listen, we've been bigging him up during the pre-season, especially when he scored that hat-trick in the first half. Um, and, and, you know, over the last couple of seasons, sometimes I get the sense that if he's got a wee bit of time to consider what's happening, he kind of fluffs his lines a wee bit. He did it against Real Madrid. He did it against Rangers, but it looked like a great layoff to Kyogo in the end because Kyogo scored um, in the cup final. But uh, there was two chances there, and you're kind of thinking the, the instinct of a striker is... You, you burst the net with him and he didn't do it. I'm not going to, you know, go in hard on, on Maida or indeed on anyone because I think it's been a good first half. But we've had great chances. We probably should be a couple of goals up. Um, but Kyogo's finish was sensational, Laura. Yeah, really, really calm and really, um, really assured. Not something that I think comes as a surprise to any of us having watched Kyogo for the last two years. I think it's interesting watching him and Maeda because Kyogo has that instinctive finish that he can pull off like that one, but also that one that was a whisker away from going in where he dinked the goalkeeper and, and, and just tipped the bottom of the bar. He knows what he can do with a bit of time in his hands. Maeda has the first part, but not the second part, I think. If he's relying entirely on instincts, he's doing great. But if he's not, then um, then that's where he gets in a little bit of bother. Um, I think who who else deserves a little bit of credit for that goal, or a lot of credit, I should say, is Abada himself because the ball comes to him. You could say, or oh, he's he's not managed to get it under control, but his instinct to to turn and make something out of it and be aware that Kyo goes right behind them to, to turn and pass it to and get the timing of the pass right and the power of the pass and everything was great because if if he times that wrong or if he hits it too hard, it's it's almost um, going to cause Kyogo more issues because actually the, the power on that pass had to be right for Kyogo to give the finish that he gave. So I'm interested to see if Abada becomes a more regular feature in the side this season, how him and Kyogo could link up going forward. Definitely, Laura. And listen, I might be wrong here, but I think that when I look at a a player like Kyogo, and even Maeda, actually, um, I think that, yeah, there there will be um, maybe areas of the game that that Brendan Rodgers will be able to help them improve on, but they're more or less, for me, the finished article. I don't think, you know, if you look at Kyogo in a year or two years, he might have had another brilliant couple of seasons. Um, the one thing I think maybe where, where Kyogo will be looking at with interest this season is the Champions League performances. But in terms of the player development, I, I look at those guys as being, right, we know what they do, they're the finished articles, like Carter Vickers, when he comes in, you know the performances he's going to give and McGregor, the consistency that he gives. But there's certain players in that team that I think are still developing. And you said at the beginning of the, the show in, in the pre-match about this being a bad season, and I totally agree with you. But I also think that it's a similar scenario for O'Reilly um, mm-hmm. and it's a similar scenario scenario for um, Hatate. I think those three players, Hatate, O'Reilly and Abada, 
have improved season on season since I've came to Celtic. But this is the one where it might all just click. And that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and then if that happens all at the same time, that's when you're looking at, you know, a team that could be frightening. I think we're already seeing signs of that. Um, O'Reilly comes in for a wee bit of criticism here and there. Um, and, and actually, there's a, there's a few comments in the in the comments field there already. But I just think that he has, you know, for me, that he's got so much potential to improve. But he, he goes under the radar a lot, Laura, when you look at his performances. I, I've, I've seen him there doing some great defensive work. He's won headers in his own box. These are the things that, you know... They're not going to be in the highlights reel, but in, in that first half, I've seen a performance which is very mature from O'Reilly. A lot of the, you know, the Hollywood past and all that has been elsewhere, but O'Reilly, I, I can see him fitting into a slot where he's consistent. He's Mr. Consistent. And yet, when it comes down to it and you look at his assists, he's one of the most productive players in that Celtic side. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, I've <clears throat> been seeing the comments coming in about O'Reilly and I feel like I've been watching a different game. I think he... I think he's been that midfield engine that we've needed. He's been a bit of here, there and everywhere. He popped up on the right-hand side at one point to put a cross in. Um, he's been making some some key passes through the middle. And like you say, he's been taking on defensive duties as well. So I, I actually think I think he's been all right. Um, but I mean, that's, that's, that's the nature of the game, I suppose. Everybody wants something different out of their players and everybody sees something different. I think Matt O'Reilly, who have no not been a stranger to criticise him when I felt he needed it. I think he's actually been one of our better performers today. Um, Hatati, uh, I think he looks a little bit like he's maybe trying to be a bit too clever in areas of the pitch where I would rather he didn't. There's been a couple of times he's tried to either take it out from the edge of the of our own box himself or pass it out from the edge of our own box or himself and and lost possession, and I think that that on another day in a more serious match against a more considered opposition could have cost us dearly. Um, but I'm not willing to say anything more than that because I know that on his day, Hatati is you know one of the best players we have. So, um, but the two of them, I think this this season is their season to really to really um, nail things down. And and with the number of midfielders that we've got coming in and that we have on the bench and things now, it's it's going to be a shirt they're going to have to fight for. There's people breathing down their necks to take it off them. Yeah, there, there are. Um, one point I would make as well, and it, this goes into the Japanese games, Laura, if, if we see going to Ireland, say, or, or Japan or America or Australia as being a brand exercise, yeah, there'll be an element of that, but I, I just feel that if we go to Ireland, it's something that we should be doing anyway. We should be doing it every single year. We've, we've spoken about it. There are many, many Irish listeners and, and viewers on Axom and they come in and they give us their take on it, what it's like in Ireland in terms of the presence that you know of Celtic as a, as a fan base, the jerseys in different areas of, of the country. And I think today, you know, cracking crowd, by the way, but I think today and uh, the games in ja- Japan show us that it isn't something that you can just turn up you know, throw open the doors and tons and tons of Celtic fans will start queuing up and coming at the stadium. We need to work at it, Laura. We, we can't just, you know, have a half-hearted attempt at touching base with um, our Irish fan base once every five or ten years. This is something we need to work and we, we actually need to, you know, work hard on re-engaging with the Irish mm-hmm. fan base. 
Just before we go into that, I saw somebody said I need to go to Specsavers or get a new boss. So I'm just checking. Are you happy that I stuck to the script there? I said exactly what you wanted me to say about O'Reilly. Eh? <laughs> O'Reilly, O'Reilly, oh boss, dearie me. O'Reilly, for me, there's another comment actually about scales, which is similar. And and by the way, it's all about having an opinion. But what I would say about O'Reilly is, you know, there, there are moments in a game where if it's that decisive pass, there was one maybe five minutes to go before half time, and, and he kind of fluffed his lines. That's probably going to stay in your memory rather than all the defensive duties and all the, the kind of um, stuff that goes under the radar. So absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, if in that second half he comes up with a, a sublime assist where he cuts through the back line and all the rest of it, you might you might change your tune. The other one was scales, Laura. And by the way, I'm glad that you're sticking to the script because obviously I sent out the script beforehand. No, but I, seriously, honestly, talking about, the, talking about the whole Irish thing and the, the Irish diaspora and... and Celtic in effect going back to their roots by going back to, to Ireland and to Dublin I think we've maybe fallen a bit victim to taking for granted that aspect of our support mm-hmm. taking for granted that we will always have Celtic supporters in Ireland because up until now that has always been the case the fact of the matter is we're living in a very different footballing environment now a very v- different footballing world where there is a much bigger league with more eyes on it, with more money put into it, right next to us. And they've got a Liverpool and a Man United and a couple other teams who have large Irish followings of their own. And I think we possibly need to do a little bit more work if we want to take advantage of that market to, to like you say, promote ourselves over there and to make it easier for fans from there to come to games, to make it easier for fans from there to access our games on TV and things like that. And maybe not to price them out of buying tickets for a game like today, um, which I think is possibly what's happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, given given some of the reports that Liam on the show has given us about the kind of shambolic way in which they've promoted themselves in Japan since getting a big uh, Japanese influx of players, it's no surprise to me that it's been reflected in Ireland as well, um, especially in a case where there's a potential that we've just been sitting on our laurels there. You know what, Laura? This isn't just an opportunity to to find a little um, minute or two to have a dig at Celtic. All it is is I would hate to think that uh, you know the the fan base in Ireland um, over a generation uh, lose interest in this football club uh, because no island equals no Celtic. That's a fact. You know, you, you don't have to look far. You can read any history book, and that is a fact. And, and we've always got to respect that. And we've always, and it's it, for me, it's not even a brand exercise going over and playing a game in Ireland. It's going over to make sure that we're engaging with our Irish fan base. It's not about selling jerseys and, and the brand as such. Um, but just to give you an example, very, very quickly, Celtic are playing today uh, a second game. The women's team are playing in a final, they're playing Rangers. Um, a Celtic state of mind last season were patrons of the Celtic women's team. We've not been reinvited to be a patron of the new season. We've not received an email to tell us that this game was even on today, Laura, which is the normal uh, way that a club would deal with PR, and not just for fan media, but for obviously the, the mainstream media. Fan media tend to get updated with that. We're not asking for the world, but you know what? We weren't even told the game was being played today at three o'clock. Now that is showing you sometimes the, the level of contempt uh, that is shown by the club where it's just taken for granted that, you know what, we want you to support the women's game, which we've done. 
yet we'll not even tell you we're playing on Sunday. We'll not even tell you what the details of the game are. Um, and then, you know, it filters through eventually on the socials and through WhatsApp groups. But that just shows you that we can take our eye off the ball or we can completely drop the ball. We can sleep at the wheel, all these different cliched sayings. But it's true, Laura. And it should be pointed out. And it's not just an opportunity to have a dig at the club because I love Celtic. But from time to time, they need reminded that you do things a wee bit different and it'll work better for you. And I think Ireland and playing in Ireland is one of these things that we should always do. Uh, first half, one final point before we go to the second half. I totally disagree with any uh, points coming through on scales. There was one or two points. I've written down nothing but positive about scales in that first half. Mm-hmm. Um, interceptions, reading it well, uh, winning headers. I think, you know, of, of the defence, scales has looked the best player. I saw one person suggest that maybe he's a, a, an alternative answer to Greg Taylor at left back, and I would suggest that maybe that is the case. I don't think anybody's sitting here saying Liam Scales is going to um, going to hold a place at centre back over Starfield, Kobayashi, Carter Vickers, or, or the new boy Navrocki. So um, there's got to be an alternative for him, but I think he. Um, I think with time, especially as far as his distribution and his passing is concerned, he's got enough there that he could provide something. I'm not as huge a fan of him as a defender, but I still think he could offer something to the team um, if he is going to stick around. My preference would obviously be that he doesn't, but uh, but I, I saw enough today to suggest that maybe there's something in him that he could supply um, a good backup player domestically, at least, um, for, for Celtic. No, the thing is, he's on that list that I made, the 10 players, as is Turnbull. And so far from what I've seen in the pre-season, they're going to prove me wrong. And no one would be happier if they did uh, prove me wrong and they continue to play with Celtic. We're going to go for the second half. We're one nothing up. Hopefully we can get another couple in the second. Laura Brabourne, thanks everybody for getting involved in the chat. And thank you to Laura for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.